Hello, and you're very welcome to Mind You, where I dive into how different people use different ways to self-care. I'm Brian Barnes from Brian Barnes Wellbeing, where I partner with people to create unique wellbeing solutions. Today, I'm delighted to be talking to Nick, Edgar, and Jess Frost. Nick and Jess have a huge passion for serving and minding others through their work in transformational coaching, leadership, NLP, hypnotherapy, EFT, emotional freedom, breath work. They're the resident inner you coaches, and they are the founders of the 3E space. So Nick and Jess, thank you so much for talking with me today. Thank you for having us. We are so excited, aren't we? Thank you for asking us, Brian. It's a real pleasure to be here, mate. My pleasure, guys. Thank you so much. And you're so welcome. And I'm going to start off by asking you, I'll ask Jess first, just to tell us a bit about yourself and how you got to here. Wow. Okay. I'll try and keep this brief. (laughs) Um, So I've always been fascinated by the human experience always been curious, always been observing. Um, I'm what's known as a highly sensitive person, which 30% of the population are, feel things and process things incredibly deeply. And my childhood, you know, for many years, I thought was really idyllic. (laughs) And then I started doing the work on myself and honored the fact that I had to grow up quite quickly. My my dad um, struggled with his mental and emotional health. He was in and out of psychiatric care a lot when I was younger. So it was a lot of visiting hospitals, seeing him in that environment. And I think I kind of thought that was completely normal, if I'm honest. I thought other people went through that. Um, so he was kind of there or he wasn't for, for big chunks of my childhood. And as we got more into my kind of early teens, I'd say, he started to really struggle with um, alcoholism. So I'm what's known as an adult child of an alcoholic. And this experience, I think, of being a caretaker to a parent and growing up very quickly has impacted and manifested in loads of different ways in my life. So I was an overachiever. (laughs) Um, I did, even with everything that was going on at home, Uh, I still went to Warwick Uni and I studied psychology. Again, that fascination with the human experience. It was essentially to find out why my dad was the way he was, bless him. But didn't come out with that answer, but I came out with a lot of other amazing answers. But that kind of led into a successful career in recruitment. A lot of my peers went into recruitment because it was serving others and it was helping people kind of find the right match for their careers. And I loved that mostly in education so I got to work with head teachers and teaching assistants and teachers so I was very good at that um but cracks started to show for me when I hit my 30s and I was finding that my emotions were kind of erupting uh I couldn't keep my smiley mask on which I'd had my whole life Uh, I was still trying to subconsciously rescue others. That's quite common, I think, for a lot of adult children is we we kind of park our needs and look after everyone else. So I was the one that people would dump their personal stuff on and I would go and try and fix and rescue and make things better for everyone else. So in my 30s, things just started to feel so heavy. Um, And I had what I would call my first kind of breakdown, my dark night of the soul, And it's taken me a while for me to even say that out loud. 
because there was a part of me that was so resisting being seen as weak. There was a part of me that thought that was weak. And I think was also terrified that if I wasn't well in bunny ears, that I would be taken off into hospital like my dad. So I've resisted being unwell. I would do everything I can to kind of keep going, keep going on that treadmill, keep performing, keep being enough. But yeah, like I say, I had this breakdown um, on the face of it, living my best life. I was working out doing recruitment in New York. Um, you know, my office looked out on on the river in Manhattan. I lived in Brooklyn. It, everyone was looking at my Instagram going, oh my God, like, wow. And behind the scenes, I was really struggling. I was struggling with my own alcohol intake, drug intake, mental health, emotional health. And yeah, I had to basically restart everything. So I came back to the UK in 2017 and I was living on my mum's couch with a massive suitcase next to me with everything in it. My relationship had ended um, and I had no work because I resigned out there in New York. I just made a very kind of sporadic decision just to leave that behind and, and kind of come back with no work, no nothing and about 20Ks worth of debt. And I didn't, honestly, if I think back to that moment now, if I scroll my Instagram back to that time, all it is is positive quotes. And it was definitely quotes for me to keep going because it was the first time that I thought genuinely, I don't know if I can be here. I really don't know how I can keep going. But that was the process. That's when the process started of rebuilding my entire life and getting to where I am today. So that's when I started listening to podcasts and understanding about things like codependency why I was rescuing people, why my self-worth was attached to being of service to people and rescuing people in my private lives, in my, in my romantic relationships and my work relationships. Um, I started hiring my first coaches when we were in lockdown. And I think that was the case for a lot of people in, in COVID times was we had to look at ourselves. We had so much time and I was able to turn the mirror around and start taking responsibility for my behavior and maybe why things were panicked, maybe why patterns were repeating themselves, you know? So I hired my first coaches, I joined my first empowerment programs, and I saw so much value, so much in myself that I decided to train in this stuff myself. So that's when I um, started the process of training in coaching, in neurolinguistic programming, in hypnotherapy, and in a nutshell, <laughs> a long nutshell, that is what I do because I've been in darkness. Um, I've seen the power of vulnerability. I've seen the power of not being strong. Um, and if I can hold space for other people to do that process, then my life's work's done, basically. Wow, what a story, Jess. <laughs> and wow thanks for being so honest and again i love you know like very kind of i can relate to a lot of your story you know people pleasing and codependent and you know it's when you realize actually that this is a pattern like you know like kind of you know like you're not just choosing to be like that yeah. and you kind of feel like you're the kind of ned flanders of the world like that you're just helpful and kind of nice and and, and you know that's that has its place but when you realize that there's a pattern and that you know it's not serving you and it's kind of emptying out your energy and you know like that's a huge realization so thank you so much for sharing that with me and nick 
Hello. Good about yourself. No, no pressure, Nick. Yeah, nice. No. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> oh, where do I start? Okay, so I think growing up, there were three. I grew up in the seventies and eighties. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a, a more mature chap. Uh, I'm Forty-eight. <laughs> me too, actually. Yeah. Oh wow, I love that. Yes. Um, I'd say there were three things that really impacted me looking back now as uh, through my childhood and adolescence. And the first was being raised within the Catholic church. Mm. The second was my father being a primary school teacher and being at the same school that I was at as a pupil. So at work, I saw a version of my dad that was jovial, uh, funny, great teacher, well thought of, you know, just, just a great bloke. And he is. But at home, he was tired and frustrated and angry. And that manifested itself a lot in uh, outbursts emotionally and sometimes physically. Uh, I think at the time I went to school, corporal punishment was still uh, usual. So my kind of experience as I look back now wasn't unhappy, but there were moments of real misery because of that approach to, to caregiving both within the church, at home, and, and in my school environment. And I didn't know it was having an effect at the time, but it was. So as I kind of hit puberty and, and went into adolescence, the third thing that was really important in my upbringing came to light, and that was that I was really good at football. So I was picked up by Tottenham Hotspur when I was 10, 11 years old, and I didn't leave the professional system until I was 17 and didn't leave football as a kind of dream, if you like, until I was 19. And I would say that there were so many things that happened within that environment that taught me, in addition to the things I've already mentioned, I can't feel my feelings. I can't mm. be vulnerable. I can't be struggling. I can't be anything less than my best at all mm. times, or I'm not worthy. So when football didn't work out for me, I suffered a bad injury. When I signed at Reading within six weeks of my professional career, there was no support around that. I really, really struggled with my mental health and didn't let anybody know. And my way of coping with the emotions, because I was never modelled what emotions are, how we deal with mm -hmm. them, uh, how we understand them, was to start to numb out. So that was when alcohol came into my life, weed came into my life, and and later on, there would be things that would join that as I got into my sort of 20s and, and, and left football. So it was kind of a, I left really because my self-worth. And I didn't know that that's why I was leaving. I remember distinctly that I wanted to give up on that dream because it just wasn't for me anymore. I wasn't right for it. I wasn't good enough. And I think that narrative I carried with me probably to greater or lesser extents for the next 20 years. So throughout my 20s and 30s, it was really a kind of, I modeled what my dad had done, which was to, to try and outwardly project joviality, success, happiness, and inwardly get home and just really struggle and numb out. And, and it really took a, it took a short-lived marriage, which I was uh, on the victim of, um, Quite willingly, I, I have to say, um, of, of abusive behaviour, um, both physically and emotionally, that I kind of had a breakdown 
getting towards the end of my 20s, I sought help for the first time in my life and um, eventually developed a, a relationship with a therapist that allowed me over quite a, a number of weeks to begin to open up and speak my truth for the first time at 27, 28. So I think what came from that was what I now understand to be a kind of sense of false empowerment. So for me, after a year and a half of therapy, I felt like, oh my God, this is amazing. I'm reborn. I'm full of energy. I'm a new person. And and I, I started to pursue the things that I didn't pursue when I was younger because they weren't looked on as favorably as football. Things like music and creativity and reading and, and all that kind of stuff. And that led to me moving away from, from where I was brought up in and around London and to the Midlands to join a band. And that was a great experience, but started to happen after two that, that false empowerment that kind of speaking my truth boldly um i didn't have the toolkit to deal with the day-to-day -day things happening to me in life and that i now know happened to us all in life mm -hmm. so some of the same patterns began to repeat themselves the numbing out the the emotional outbursts the kind of projecting in public how i wanted to be seen but but not feeling that inside, that lack of congruence. So I had a second real bad time about 10 years ago. And at that point, I thought, hang on, something's not right here. So I had about six months uh, clinically diagnosed with depression and on medication and didn't quite understand where to go with my mental and emotional health because of having been through that therapeutic process before. And that was when I started to open my mind up to more holistic practices because mm -hmm. really just out of curiosity. So I think over the past sort of eight to 10 years, my recovery journey has become a discovery journey, a real opening up and peeling back of all those layers of conditioning and beliefs that weren't mine, I didn't choose them and to, to slowly begin to empower myself to make the choices that are right for me. And a lot of that process is really challenging. It's challenging emotionally, it's challenging mentally, um, and, and there's a lot of failures and learning across the, along the way. But yeah. sort of as my path uh, met with Jess's in sort of 2018, I was training to become a therapist myself and um, really thought that was the way forward until I had that moment of, hang on, my own experience of therapy was it took me so far, but the kind of person-centered approach, which I have in my own business now and, and really, really value it, it can only take you so far because we only know what we know. And outside of inspiration, we need stimulus. We need introducing to things. We need collaboration and community, in my humble opinion. So a lot of what I've been doing is to try mm. and find my people. That's how I phrase it over yeah. the last few years. And then similar to Jess, when lockdown happened, that was a real kind of stop, pause. How am I going to carry on through this and after it? Who do I really want to be? Let's mm. think bold. Let's really really get to the nub of who I am and what I'm here to do and then start to put together an idea of how we might make that happen. Wow. Again, what an amazing journey, Nick. And, you know, again, thank, thank you both for, for just being so honest and so vulnerable because this stuff is messy. Like we talked about this before and mm. 
you know, this is all messy. And look, like, I suppose when you see um, people's Instagrams and websites, yeah. and, you know, I'm there myself with the website and the Instagram and the podcast, and people think you have, you have it sorted. And it's only through your own, as you said, Nick, I love what you said about discovery. Mm-hmm. It's only through your own discovery that you're kind of learning a lot about, you know, a, a lot of these kind of holistic ways to feel better and to self-care. And nobody has it sorted. That's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And we're all on different journeys. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, like, even I can relate so much to both of your stories about your childhood and about that kind of the twenties and thirties and the numbing out and the, the drugs and the, you know, um, but like, so like, it's all messy, but like, again, like that's, I suppose, you know, that's the beauty of this, that, you know, like if, if people are honest enough with each other that, you know, like it's messy and it's, it's chaotic, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. I, I completely agree with what you said there, Brian. And, and I think there's, there's a beauty to be found in the messiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's yeah. part of the discovery. And even though it's mm. it's really challenging, and and neither of us would would paint anything different, it's the moments of beauty. It's the glimmers. Yeah, that yeah. the more you realise they're available to you, the more you begin to see them and feel them, and and that really gives you the torch to carry with you to kind of push through the difficult moments and the messiness. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's to remember, because like, look, I do it myself. I flick through Instagram and, and, you know, kind of TikTok and different people's websites and you go, fuck, like they have it sorted. I'm a total <laughs> fucking <laughs> what a time. For, for all the kind of work that I do and all the kind of insight that I have, I'm, you know, like, and, and do, you know, like, so like, what are they doing? But, you know, again, it's to realize that everyone is on different parts of their journey everyone has that messiness Mm -hmm. and you know like you know that whole um idea of comparison is the thief of joy yeah you know to compare yourself to anyone's life is not a good idea and to realize that everyone has their own kind of everyone's juggling their own chainsaws let's say yeah i i agree so much i was actually chatting to another person in my kind of space last night we had a really vulnerable conversation woman to woman right where she said exactly the same thing. Oh my God, I'm looking at you. I'm looking at your business, I'm looking at Instagram. And I'm like, oh, those guys, they've got it all together. And I'm like, Nate, you don't see me on the office floor covered in tears and snot. So do you know what I mean? And I think- Five minutes ago. Literally yeah, yeah, exactly. five minutes before we started recording. Okay, thank goodness there's no video. But you know, that's the truth. That's the honesty. And I think when we can pepper in that realness, yeah. gosh, whether it's in business or whether it's in personal stuff, that is so important because I think that's why I held on to this strong part for so long. It's because I didn't realize that we can be safe in that messiness and just be witnessed in it. And no one's going to try and fix you. You just, you can just be, and just by being, gosh, it's so freeing, isn't it? Absolutely. And look, I'm, I'm a big guy for quotes and like they, they, they really are kind of sustenance and kind of, you know, fuel for me. Like, and like, you know, like I've got thousands of books and kind of Buddhism and kind of Stoics and psychology. But one quote that I've been using kind of, you know, for the last couple of years consistently is don't try and calm the storm, mm-hmm. calm yourself and the storm will pass. Oh, amen. Yeah. Love that. Love that. And that ties in beautifully to to some of the work that I'm sure we'll touch on. I think yeah. I think there's I think there is something there just briefly about about when you're saying the messiness and allowing ourselves to experience that. That that I think as adults that's really important because all emotions are valid. Yeah. And I think that messiness we say 
and we say it with a laugh and we say it with humor and there is a lot of humor around it and there's a lot of seriousness around it but there's also a lot of freedom and privilege i believe yeah. to allowing ourselves to fall apart temporarily i think there's a cleansing process yeah. when we give ourselves yeah. the freedom to do that yeah and and it might it takes me back to childhood where where often a parent's discomfort about a child's behavior becomes more about the parent's emotional experience than the child's yeah and that's that's something that we re- I continue to get really curious about as yeah. part of my own work and part of what we do just absolutely and again that kind of the, the, there's excitement mm. and there's a, a sense of empowerment in kind of you know looking at that and it's not even mess it's just kind of let's say you know um i suppose like again there's so much potential there because like messiness kind of you know leads you to think that it's kind of you know Mm. it's annoying and it's kind of you know unruly and okay it is those things but there's such potential there and there's such you know again it's exciting it's empowering and to kind of you know it's all about perspective isn't it yeah it is. And we get, and, and again, I, I like using the word like privilege, because if we empower ourselves to choose, even if our thoughts disagree with us, then that's the trick. I think it's moving through the discomfort into new ground mm. because it's our thoughts very rarely say, yeah, okay, let's try this new really uncomfortable thing or let's allow <laughs> ourselves to feel this really difficult emotion. It's going to want to protect us. Yeah. Yeah. But very often, and that's that's its job. That's yeah. the, the the kind of the you know that's the kind of uh, safety kind of protection you know kind of mechanism which is, is trying to keep you alive. But it's getting past that. Yeah, and I think it's making that transition. It's that if there's one learning point that I think I go to, it's that for mm. so many years, it's like, well, I'm thinking this and I'm feeling this, therefore it must be real. Yeah. So I'm not going to do this thing, or or I'm going to do this other thing. Whereas actually, it's just as you said, Brian, it, it's it's that reframe of what, actually what what are these parts of me here to do? And, and when you realise actually they're just trying to keep you safe, yeah. you can start to develop a relationship with them and start to become yeah. a whole person. I yeah. really think that's that if there is if there is such a thing as being able to say that's the whole ball game, it's probably that. Yeah. Cool. I love that. Well, guys, again, thank you so much for being so honest and so vulnerable and sharing those amazing journeys with me and diving deeper, mm-hmm. kind of day to day. Like, as I said, you're both doing work in transformational coaching, leadership, NLP, hypnotherapy, EFT, emotional freedom, breath work. You're working on the interview with Josh Connolly, your founders of the 3E space. Like, I suppose day-to-day kind of you know like i suppose and, and particularly about that three the three e space mm-hmm. you know what do your days look like because yeah. you're bringing in so many modalities and you know kind of so many different approaches now there's obviously an overlap with those but yeah. you know like when you're working with individuals groups you know what does that look like yeah great question so it, it's a real mixture and I, one thing we recognize right because this all was born from when we launched our coaching businesses and we left the corporate world it was very much one-to-one kind of life coaching based but what we quickly realized is my word this toolbox that we have that we can impart and people can take what they need leave what they don't want can be so powerful for the workplace <laughs> So that's how the three space was born. We were doing the same thing. We're pretty much like the male and female version of each other. And we were like, why why are we not bringing this together? So that's why the three space was born. The E's being explore, energize, empower. 
that is the bedrock of mm. everything we do. Yeah. So we didn't want to overcomplicate this stuff, right? Mm. So we thought, how can we bring this into the workplace? So the mixture of work we do is we've got one-to-one -one clients that come to us purely for that life coaching. I work with a lot of adult children of alcoholics. Nick's works a lot with kind of recovering people pleasers, but we work with a range of different challenges that people are facing. So there's the one-to-one -one side of it that people um, come to us for. We do group work as well. So I have a group program called Courageous Healing, which is for adult children to, to do the healing work in community. As Nick mentioned, there's so much power within community. So uh, we do group stuff. As you've mentioned, we, we work with Josh Connolly. So we work with Josh in his Inner You Healing program. So we've got that healing aspect of community that we do uh, with new stuff bubbling away all the time. But the work we do in the workplace, we didn't want to be, right? I, I've been in some leadership development programs within the corporate world, some of which, by the way, are great. Um, big shout out to a guy called Dave Davis that changed my life. But that we didn't want to be a typical leadership mm. coaching organization. Right. Mm. We didn't want to come and just talk models of, of, of leadership mm. and coaching. That wasn't what lit us up. What we do is very similar to the work we do one-to-one -one with people is we work, we work with senior leadership teams, for example. We work with middle management teams. We work with the whole organization. But it's about holding space mm. for these people to explore themselves, right? Yeah. very passionate we're not coming in anywhere into any space saying i'm the expert mm -hmm. of you no chance but we have an amazing toolbox that allows you to explore mostly your inner world your emotional mm -hmm. experiences your activators your triggers the things that lead to the early warning signs of mental and emotional distress we allow people to go deeper than maybe they've gone before why is it relevant to the workplace? My goodness, there's so many different ways. Mm. But the work we do to allow people to explore and to energize and empower, it not only kind of impacts positively on mental and emotional health and the vital discussions that need to happen in the workplace and that personal and collective responsibility for having these, these conversations. But we work with people, especially leaders, on what roles are playing out for you. We talked about patterns. What patterns are playing out for you in leadership, right? Some people have never touched on inner work and they've explored things about themselves that they never had a clue where actually their subconscious self-worth is attached to being a rescuer, for example, in the workplace, you know, um, where they're leaking energy everywhere being people pleaser, wearing masks, trying to be the one that does everything. <laughs> and they're like, oh my goodness, I never realized this was a pattern in my life. Then how can we start having vulnerable conversations about these things? And all this work, all this personal responsibility, all the holding the mirror up against ourselves can have such a dramatic, beautiful effect on communication within the workplace. It can, it can help with conflicts. It can help with compassionate communication, can't it? So it's it's all the work that we do, basically one-to-one, -one, can be transferable in the workplace. And the, the, the amount of companies that are open to this makes my heart sing, if I'm honest with you. Absolutely. And I love that because I suppose, you know, that kind of, let's say, 
you know, traditional, formal, analytical kind of leadership management style. Mm -hmm. And it's all very externally based. It's all kind of trying to calm the storm. Yeah. It's all, and like, I, I, like I, I've, I've worked in recruitment. I've worked in the corporates. I've got a management degree. I've studied strategic management, all of that. Yeah. And that's all very, you know, again, it's formal and it's analytical and it's externally based. It's all about what's outside. So what you're looking at literally is what's on the inside. It's that kind of calm yourself and the storm will pass. Yeah. And that's beautiful because, you know, there is, and I know, I know there is an appetite for that. I, I do a lot of corporate well-being with corporates here as well and trying to bring in. Now, I'm always very aware, I suppose I know the corporate world, so I'm always very aware of even doing a workshop that, you know, these guys are in that kind of corporate zone. So, you know, you can't exactly kind of come in with like, you know, robes, <laughs> and, you know, like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of, you know, but like, you know, like you're trying to kind of, like, you, if you were to be honest, you'd love to say, look at guys, like this whole corporate kind of, you know, having a poker up your ass. That's why you're, that's why they're all, they're, you're all stressed and there's absenteeism and there's, you know, anxiety and there's low performances. Like, that's the reason. So, like, it's almost like people are kind of playing a part, you know, that kind of corporate yeah. kind of seriousness. So, once you get past that, uh, there's definitely an appetite for that kind of holistic yeah. kind of internal work. Like, it's what I always bang on on this podcast it's about kind of healing from the inside out yeah but this i love that brian but this you mentioned robes and we all had a little bit of a laugh there <laughs> but there's, there's something that i just want to touch on because look, i'm all things considered i'm a pretty ordinary run-of-the-mill bloke so for me for most of my adult life when i looked at holistic practices it felt like all of that stuff is happening way 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 over there yeah and I'm in India, uh, in India, that's all happening in India. You know, you know what I mean? No, but it's yeah. all, or, or in Bali or wherever. And actually, <laughs> yeah, I, I am going to have to go so far away from where I am right now to gain any kind of benefits from that. Yeah. So basically, fuck that. I'm not getting involved. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas actually, I think our approach is to bring the best of this stuff and make it accessible. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think it's yeah. the accessibility Humanist. that's needed. So mm -hmm. when we actually touch below the surface of kind of more traditional leadership, corporate coaching, when, when groups of people are willing to do that, yeah. together which is what we help facilitate yeah. they realize they've got far more in common than they ever thought they had mm -hmm. leading into those sessions mm -hmm. so for yeah. me the kind of the tagline if you like is that I, I genuinely believe that businesses and organizations can succeed in all of their goals in tandem with their employees well-being not at the expense of it mic drop yeah mic drop absolutely i love it i love it and again look at like we all know the kind of the return on investment and the reduced mm. absenteeism and the reduced yeah. presenteeism the reduced burnout mm. the reduced stress anxiety depression but you know like you've got a, just a healthier happier uh, kind of workforce and like it's it's win 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 yeah i think as well the, yeah. the, the the one thing we haven't mentioned is that both of us have lived experience within those environments like yeah. i i've worked for 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 Eon for 10 years, mm. the big German energy organization, I was off sick for over six months. Mm -hmm. Now, everything leading into being off sick, now I have compassion for myself, for my line managers, mm. for HR, for all of us that had no idea how to cope with me descending into what I descended into. Yeah. And then just as importantly, no one really knew how to deal with a return to work. No. 
So everybody's feeling awkward. Yeah. So I think there's something there about bringing the human side. If I if I was felt comfortable and safe to be more vulnerable, if my managers felt more, safe, yeah. if we all felt more more able to connect at that human level, it's a different experience. And I yeah. think it's that lived experience that we both have yeah. that 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 really kind of brings all this stuff home. You yeah. know what I mean? It's not just training. It's not just theory. It's like no, look, we've been in the trenches with this stuff. Yeah, and I think for all of us, right, you mentioned earlier about not being modelled emotions. Mm. We are all on this journey, right? If anyone's out there that did have that, amazing. Oh, my God, I'm (laughs) so happy for you, right? But so many of us, like, we have an emotions wheel sat in front of us, right? It's always. always, Because I I still have to look at that and go, what is it I'm actually feeling? And I think so many of us are intimidated to sit in what people deem negative emotions, Mm. I don't think any emotion's negative. And I'm pretty sure that when that person with their head down walks in that office, if someone was able to five minutes sit and hold that, that person would feel just a little bit better to be able to crack on with their to-do list that day. And I think when we can take responsibility for why we feel uncomfortable, then mm-hmm. we are able to hold space. If we can hold space for ourselves as well, we can be better space holders for all that that person's navigating in my in my humble opinion absolutely absolutely so look at like a lot of good news on the whole a lot of good news that like there is definitely an appetite Uh for this for a much more let's say gentle kind of holistic um you know kind of kind of baby step approach to this which is really Mm -hmm. exciting isn't it yeah really exciting I think that's where the person-centered approach is important. And when I say person-centered, I apply that to an organization as well. Because mm. ultimately, there's no point us going in and saying, doing exactly what I just described about asking them to leave where they are and to meet us where we are. It's all about that that curiosity yeah. Yeah. and that exploration of you tell us where you are. What are your concerns at the moment? All of this kind of thing. And just try and meet them where they are as yeah. a starting point. And that's different for everybody. Yeah. 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 I love that. I love that. Now I'm going to ask another question. What's your favorite part of what you do and why? Uh, Jess first, please. Uh, you know what? I think and this uh, it's the reason I chose to be a coach because when I went on my kind of psychology journey, I did similar to Nick want to be a, a counselor and therapist. That seemed to be the only route that was available to me at the time. And the reason I became a coach is I love holding space for people and that moment they realize like they're not broken. There's nothing wrong with them. They're safe. And I am, I'm not the expert. They have all of those beautiful answers inside of them, but together with various tools, we can, we can get them out and that person can have those light bulb moments and they can have these tools that take them way past the three or six months or year that they work with me, that they go into their life as their own coach with all these amazing tools to continue that exploration, to continue that curiosity, to continue that empowerment. Like that for me is why I do what I do, where I don't want anyone to be codependent with me because <laughs> I know what that feels like. You know, what yeah. I, mean? I don't want anyone to be reliant on me. You don't need me. You just need to realize your worth. You need to realize that power that you've always had inside of you and go fucking shine that light in the world. That's why I do what I do. Cool. 
What she said. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, much of what Jess said is exactly my, my purpose and passion as well, Brian. I think if I was to kind of nail it to a moment, it's it's that deepest, those moments of deepest human connection that come in those light bulb moments, mm-hmm. as you described it, mm-hmm. Jess, you know, where where you feel connected, whether I am part of that connection or whether I'm witnessing it. Mm. There's something there that I think energizes everybody involved. Mm. And when human beings come together into a space, whether it's a one-to-one space or a group space, and they all leave feeling connected and energized, there's Mm. something really mystically beautiful about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's why I do. I think. Yeah. Because uh, we're all energy, and yeah. you know, whether you look at spirituality yeah. or, as you said, kind of mysticism, physics, mm. you know, like we're all energy. So you know, I talk about a lot about what we do. You know, like let's say, and you know, as in the work that we do and people self care, like the ripple effect. Like if you're, mm. you know, healing from the inside out, you know, that ripples out to your your family, your friends, mm. your society your you know your 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 the world but i think that's the empowering part of this brian because you know look if we look at the world at large it's easy to become demotivated upset unhappy and see all that is kind of wrong and a bit messed up yeah Yeah. what you just described there so beautifully allows us and this is certainly from a lived experience point of view part of my own transformation is that that reframe of actually I have so much power as an individual to influence that kind of drop in the water if if I take radical responsibility for myself now um, instead of sitting in that kind of victim state I can have an incredible impact Mm. and that gives me the determination to kind of want to do it more and more and more and more and more yeah. even though the vast majority of that impact I'll never see yeah. because it's yeah. not about that yeah yeah absolutely and even like as you said about the pers- your perspective on the world and again you can change that as well because you know like you a lot of people's perspective is negative because they're mm. watching the news they're reading newspapers yeah. and it's all bad news and bad news you know that changes your perspective it's you know research tells us it, it creates stress anxiety depression mm. so even to kind of you know realize that you know like what's on the news isn't what's really out there so to kind of you know to bring in that sense of kind of being humble and kind of be more optimistic about about this well i think i think yeah. i think it's about perspective because in the day-to-day you're absolutely right and, and I, I absolutely am no advocate in any way for for bypassing any of this stuff we have to face the reality that we see and feel but at the same time if we take a, if we take steps back and the further back we go and the more we look at things the perspective does begin to shift so looking in different directions and seeing you know some of what I just spoke about but actually if you look at the, the, the whole case of human history on balance, as a species, we're probably just about doing the best we can right now. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But but you can only look at that if you if you take a perspective that's so high. Do you know what I mean? And looking down and looking at the whole of history, that you can begin to feel that. But I think you can feel it. Yeah, yeah. But but that's so you know it's easy for me to say that you know when you're in the trenches when you're struggling to to pay the rent or you, yeah. you are suffering with real challenges. Well, all I'm saying or all I've just said will just sound like a load of horseshit. Yeah. 
And yeah. I know that because I've been that person. <laughs> and there's a lot of change needs to happen there, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It's multi-layered, isn't it? And I love Wayne Dyer, who I'm a big fan of, and he always said, if you can change your perspective and when you when you think about people, to actually think, you know, everyone's doing the best that they can. Yeah, I think so. Love that. Love Wayne Dyer. Well, look, thank you so much again for, for sharing that amazing toolkit with me and all the work, the amazing work that you're doing. And can you tell me now how you mind you? Mm. Uh, yes. So important. So for me personally, in terms of where I've been probably with my self-care for the last couple of years, my body was so addicted to chaos and to dysfunction. Mm. That is what I've realized. My body was addicted to cortisol. So my self-care, I used to think it was like face masks and baths and stuff. And do you know what I mean? They are lush, yeah. right? But mine has been very much about leaning into rest, leaning into calm, which my body finds really scary. Mm. So as someone that left recruitment, corporate sales after 15 years of like, gosh, I was at my desk at 7am and I probably wouldn't put my mobile down until my head hit the pillow filling bookings. It's felt very strange for me in my business mm -hmm. to, to create space for calm. So napping has <laughs> been huge and recognizing that as a business owner that is also committed to their own healing journey, I have to schedule rest. I have to allow intentional rest um, I have to be very mindful of the stuff I put in my body, you know, whether that's alcohol, coffee, you know, my nervous system is front of like the front of my self-care now of how I'm looking after myself. Um, so yeah, being very mindful of that. And also as someone that was very, it was very easy for me to show emotions for other people. So I could cry for other people's stories. I would get upset about the world and nature, you name it, but didn't really honor my own experience. I see self-care for me as finding space for my emotions. Exactly what we talked about, about becoming safe, holding space for ourselves. I have to create space for me to honor what I'm feeling, allow it to be felt and released so conscious, connected breathing, the breathing technique that we're trained in, you know, that for me was a game changer for my self-care because it allowed me to consciously, intentionally create space for that emotion to be released safely. And the breath is designed to quiet my monkey mind, which will tell me this is stupid. I don't need to do this. I've got to crack on and be busy in my business and actually drop into my body, which was new to allow that emotion to be honored. And, and like I say, for that emotion to be released. So being in spaces where, again, I can show emotion, but I can be witnessed in vulnerability is massive for my self-care. I would feel incredibly incongruent if I was expecting clients to come to me and be vulnerable if I wasn't doing it myself. So part of my self-care has been finding spaces like, people like Josh that have become good mentors, good friends, the spaces he creates, for example, being able to show up in spaces and be witness myself for how I'm feeling, to cry in front of other people if I need to cry, 
to allow myself to lean into support, which has been very alien for me, that is my self-care. And I have to be held accountable to do that stuff. I still find myself like, oh shit, I've not breathed for like over a week. You know, it's easy for old parts of me to come to the surface and be like, hustle, (laughs) you know, just keep busy. So Nick is amazing at helping me keep accountable to that stuff. And, you know, nature, all that stuff is beautiful for me. How about you, Nick? I think, no, I feel... I always say that. We always say that, don't we? I think, and actually, I don't, I feel Mm -hmm. that putting myself first at the start of my day Mm -hmm. in some way, shape or form continues to build from the ground up my self-worth. And as a recovering people pleaser and someone that suffered with depression, and, and I have to be really careful because I think all of this stuff does atrophy. You know, we don't learn it or we don't feel it. And then it's like, okay, fine. I've ticked that particular holistic box and mm-hmm. I can move on to something else. I think it's, a, that's why it's, these things are called a practice. Yeah. yeah. So for me, if I don't create space first thing in the morning, when I generally wake with some kind of chatter going on or mm. some in some kind of emotional state, I will probably carry that with me mm. throughout the day. That, and I learned that over a long and often painful period. So the, the kind of go-to, the three go-to things at the moment that I do most, if not every morning, is to try and write something down, generally just n- not with any intention, but just what's going on. Just just literally replicate what thoughts are coming up for me. Yeah. Um, to breathe in some way so whether it's box breathing to calm or or more connected breathing to energize i try and check in with where my energy levels are and respond accordingly and then a focus on where my nervous system is and my anxiety levels and um kind of cold water really works for me in terms of whether it's a shower or or having a quick dunk but then in and around that, it's finding pockets of day just to come back to myself. So, for example, a big self-care thing for me is to not have a single notification on my phone except mm-hmm. for an hourly affirmation. <laughs> so whatever happens in that hour, the next time I look at my phone, I've got something that brings me back to myself. And that's important when we're doing this work because being the be- being in the, in the most capable state, I'd say, not the best state, the most capable state to hold space for other people, either in one-to-one or to do the work we do, we have to put the work into ourselves. Mm. Otherwise, we risk abandoning ourselves and putting all our energy into other people, yeah. and then we're just burning out in a different way. Yeah. So for me, it's just it, it's self-awareness, I suppose, Brian, most of all, yeah. at, at all times as much as possible, that mindfulness of what's happening within me mm. and it... I think I'll keep learning to do that for the rest of my life. But when I catch myself in moments of, of drifting into old patterns, it's making sure I don't judge that and add to the weight of that and try and be compassionate. So that, that almost that fork in the road at the moment of self-awareness, do I judge myself for it and make myself feel worse? Or can I be compassionate to where I found myself and bring myself back to myself? Yeah. Wow. I love that, guys. Thanks for sharing that with me. And again, 
going back to that kind of, you know, the fact that nobody has it sorted, like this yeah. is a day-to-day business. Yeah. Like I have I have a little system that I use with myself and my clients. It's called MEDL. So M is for mental health, mindset, mindfulness. E is for exercise, D, diet. A is for your attitude, an attitude of gratitude, positive mental attitude. L is for love. It's like doing what you love with people mm-hmm. that you love, you know, passions. And S is for sleep. Like sleep is a big one. It's the biggest, you know, and I know that from my work in mental health and its effect so some medals and like i use that kind of like an mot like every day Mm, so like you know so like you know as you said this is a practice this is day to day now you know that's that that kind of brings in the empowerment piece that like you know Mm. you can start off with a clean slate every day and use whatever checklist you want Mm. but you know it is a practice it is day to day and it's kind of building but you're building on it from the inside out and that's where kind of the, the power comes from yeah absolutely you nailed Love that. that you absolutely nailed that brian 100 percent. I, I agree with everything you just said and that and it's that empowerment it's that sense of yeah. feeling that it, that i can be empowered at any given stage of my life whatever else is going on yeah that's not to bypass the struggles no it's not, it's not at all but but there's always that kind of flicker of 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 hope yeah of of chance of challenge of opportunity shifts. all these others and shifts yeah absolutely yeah. and and i love the way you described that yeah love that cool guys thanks a million well again thank you so much for sharing how you mind you and where can people find you well we are mostly on good old instagram so um our business instagram is at the underscore three e underscore space um my tag is at i am jess frost and you are at Nick Edgar Coaching. We're on Facebook as well. Um, website www.the3space.com. And that's where you can find one-to-one stuff, corporate stuff, well-being services, you name it. That's where everything's kind of housed. <laughs> cool. Well, look, I will put a link to your website onto this podcast. And for now, thank you so much for being so honest and so vulnerable and so kind and so generous with me today and again for sharing those amazing journeys that you've been on right up to today and for sharing with me how you mind others and the amazing work that you're doing with the 3d space and with the inner you coaching and for sharing with me how you mind you and best of luck with everything that you do in the future guys thank you brian this has been amazing thank you for everything you do as well yeah absolutely and thanks for the invite it's been a pleasure pleasure chatting with you mate thank you so much for listening to mind you and i hope you've learned about the benefits of holistic self-care please like subscribe and follow mind you podcast wherever you listen to it and please share it so we can keep the ripple effect of holistic self-care going out to the world you can find me and mind you at brianbarnswellbeing.com